From Larkin Hoffman, I'm Paul Smith. This is a Larkin Hoffman briefing. Today we're discussing business interruption insurance and the COVID-19 pandemic. Business interruption insurance was designed to replace business income lost in a disaster. Common example would be losses resulting from a fire. Uh, so the query, does business interruption insurance compensate a business for losses resulting from the COVID-19 pandemic and the state mandated stay at home orders? With me today to explore this topic is Chris Yetka. Chris heads Larkin Hoffman's Insurance Recovery and Advice Practice Group. Uh, he spent his entire career analyzing insurance issues, litigating uh, insurance disputes, and counseling policyholders. Chris, thank you for joining me this morning. Paul, it's great to be here, thanks. The global health emergency caused by COVID-19 and the stay-at-home mandates have had a devastating financial impact on the business community. From a very simplistic standpoint, it strikes me that these are exactly the type of financial losses that business interruption insurance was designed to prevent. But even before the first stay-at-home order was put in place, I received an email from my insurer pointing out why business interruption coverage didn't apply, why there were coverage issues, and outlining a series of exclusion. What's going on? Well, Paul, it's pretty simple. Insurers that are faced with significant losses across all of their business units are trying to get ahead of the issue on messaging. And and they understand that most, if not all, of their policyholders are going to have significant losses. And frankly, for the most part, they've been pretty successful on this messaging. I've heard many media outlets report that there is no coverage for COVID-19 losses uh, under business interruption. And I've heard uh, questions from clients along that same line. But what people need to understand, what businesses need to understand, is that's just not the case, or at least it's not necessarily the case. There are really two big issues in this context when you're thinking about business interruption. The first is whether the policy requires some direct physical loss or damage to property. And then the second is, is there a disease exclusion in your policy? And I'll briefly talk about each. The first issue and the thing that insurers are trying to get ahead of on, on whether there's a direct physical loss or damage to property is this concept of if you have exposure or issues of exposure at your property, is your property actually physically damaged? And their argument, at least generally, is that no, there is no physical damage. Now, I'll get into this in a little more detail, but the fact of the matter is, is that there's case law across the country in, in different contexts, for example, the asbestos context, where if there is asbestos on your site, many courts have recognized that there is direct physical loss to your property, even though there isn't a fire or a collapse or something along those lines. So I disagree that the insurers have an absolute win in that column. Furthermore, there are different provisions of the policy. There can be provisions in your policy where physical damage or damage to property includes loss of use. And clearly here, if you have a pandemic and you have an order and you can't use your business premises, you have a loss of use that may trigger your coverage under your policy. Furthermore, a lot of policies have what's called contingent business interruption coverage, which means there doesn't even have to be 
an event on your property. There simply has to be an event within a certain distance of your property that affects your business. So the, the key takeaway here is A, I applaud many of the insurers for getting out in front of this issue, but you need to look at your policy and each policy is different. With respect to exclusions, many of these business interruption and property policies have disease exclusions. But what strikes me is in reading a lot of these, there's a lot of variation in them. Some of them talk about microorganisms. Well, uh, virus is not an organism at all. Um, so theoretically under that language of those policies, the exclusion wouldn't apply. Some exclusions do include virus. So again, it's gonna come down to the language of your policy. So maybe a, a, a quick two-part follow-up uh, question, that is, does every business interruption policy contain the same uh, language regarding direct physical loss or damage to property? And, and secondly, does every policy contain a virus exclusion? Or put yeah. more simply, if my neighbor says his business isn't covered by his policy, does that mean my policy doesn't cover me? The answer is no. And, and unlike commercial general liability policies, which for the most part are pretty standard with some minor exceptions, they're, they're, they use what's called an ISO form, which is a standard form that just about every carrier uses. Property policies and business interruption policies vary greatly. Different carriers use different language in different forms. And so that means that you really do need to look at your individual policy. While every business interruption policy may contain some language requiring a loss or a physical loss or damage, the language does vary greatly. And even more importantly, sometimes there isn't a requirement for certain provisions. That is, you may have a property policy that provides both property coverage and business interruption coverage. The requirement that there be a physical loss or damage may apply to the property coverage side, but it may not apply to the business interruption side. For example, if there's contingent loss or if there's civil authority coverage or some of these other things uh, in their policy. So the answer to your first part, every policy is different. And the answer to your second question is, does every policy contain a virus exclusion? No, I mean, some policies don't contain any exclusions with respect to disease or virus. And again, some have language that only covers certain uh, diseases and, and don't specifically reference virus. It, it seems like we're in a period now when insurers and policyholders are jousting over uh, whether or not business interruption coverage will apply. How do these uh, coverage issues get sorted out? Or how do you think they will get sorted out in this instance? Well, it's a little early, and, and let, me, let me throw one other thing out there, Paul, before we get into that in any depth. That, that's this. I mean, the one piece of advice I want to give to everybody that I know I can give to everybody and it will be accurate is put your carriers on notice. Make sure your carriers know if you have a loss, notify them. You lose nothing by putting your carrier on notice, and that will preserve you in this instance of how this gets sorted out. And another point is these broad blanket denials that some carriers are sending out, even before they review the facts, may be evidence that they're acting in a manner that isn't proper or even in bad faith. I mean, if you get a denial from your carrier before they even gather the facts of your specific situation, that's something to keep in mind. Now, it's really early right now. It's really hard to say how these situations are going to pan out. I will tell you there are hundreds, if not thousands of cases across the country already been started 
against carriers under business interruption coverage in policies. As a matter of fact, there's a big debate going on in the insurance community right now whether there should be a consolidation of all of these cases in one court, which may be difficult in this situation because policy language varies so greatly. There's also legislation. Um, The last I checked, there were seven different states that had written and submitted some form of legislation that would require insurers to provide coverage for COVID losses, either by dictating from the government that there has been physical loss or damage to property or saying that the virus exclusion, if it exists, is not going to be enforceable. Now, none of these have gotten through the state legislatures and have been signed into law yet. There's also a federal bill that's being bandied about. The, the point is, again, and I can't stress this enough, put your carrier on notice, because even if right now in the world that we are sitting in, there is a, a hindrance to you recovering under your policy because there is a provision or there is an exclusion, that doesn't mean that a state legislature might change that or the federal government might not change that later. And one sort of larger observation here is that this is the type of situation that cries out for federal action. Whether that will happen or not is a big question, but this is a situation where insurance, and insurance, the whole idea of insurance is you spread risk. That is, you get a lot of people to buy the insurance with the understanding that only a handful of those individuals or businesses are going to have a loss and you can spread the cost of those losses over a large group. The problem we have with COVID is that it's everywhere. Every state is affected. Every country is affected. And it makes insurance very difficult to spread because the the damages are everywhere. The only way to solve the problem is to, to spread the losses out over time. And the federal government is the entity who can spend money that doesn't have with the understanding that they can borrow against it and pay it over time. And again, do what you can to make sure you trigger your coverage so that you have the ability to recover it should something be put into place, even if you have issues with the language in your policy. So hypothetically, I'm a business owner who's been financially impacted by COVID-19. I've got a drawer full of insurance policies. Where should I look to find potentially applicable business interruption insurance coverage? Yeah, not all businesses have it, but if you do have it, it is most likely attached to your commercial property policy. That's where business interruption coverage usually applies. There'll usually be a separate insuring clause in your policy and maybe even separate policy limits that apply specifically to business interruption. But, you know, I want to point out that there's another step here. Everybody is thinking about first-party losses. That is my loss to my business right now because of the stay-at-home order or because my employees can't come to work. Those first-party losses are serious and are something that everybody needs to get over. And obviously, if you've got business interruption coverage, that's where you should look. But we need to understand that the next thing that's going to happen is there, and already starting to happen, is there's going to be third-party losses. That is, you have a contract with another business, and you can't perform under that contract, and now they're looking to you for their losses. Or you have employees who are sick, and they say they're sick because you didn't act in an aggressive enough way to protect them. Or you have vendors who become sick. 
Or you have shareholders of a business that are suing directors and officers because the directors and officers didn't put mechanisms in place. Make sure that you assess not only your first party property policies, but right now, before any claims come in, it's important for you to look at your liability policies and to think about what potential liabilities your business might be facing and do you have sufficient coverage for those. The nice thing about most DNO or directors and officers or employment liability policies or commercial general liability policies, they don't have virus exclusions. They're set up to provide you coverage if you have a loss due to physical damage or due to bodily injury, which is exactly what these types of claims are. And there's still an opportunity here for you to assess your liability policies before you have claims and even potentially increase your limits. The other thing to keep in mind is that insurers obviously recognize this potential liability. And we're seeing more and more that at renewals, insurance companies are trying to put in new exclusions or are trying to do other things. And just be aware of that. When you're up for renewal, uh, look at your policies carefully, look at the renewals very carefully to make sure that coverages that you presently have in place are not being taken away. So now I've found my business interruption coverage. What should I be doing either to pursue my business interruption claim or to preserve my options under my claim? I know you mentioned that the item one is put your carrier on notice, but are there other uh, things that a business should be aware of? Yeah, there's a few things. I mean, yes, make sure you put your carrier on notice. Look at the language of the policy. There are sometimes specific notice requirements that you have to provide, uh, you know, a detailed of the circumstances and causes and things. It's, it's one thing to put them on notice, but make sure you're doing it appropriately and make sure that you're following the language of your policy. Two, it's really important in business interruption claims, and many of the times I've had these cases, is how do you present your losses? It's important to make sure that you keep good records and you put those together in a way that when you present it to the insurance carrier, you can show here's my losses, here's what it's tied to, and here's my proof for it. The other thing is a lot of these policies, and particularly property policies, require you to bring an action against your insurer if they don't pay within one or two years which can be very different from what the normal statute of limitations in your state is. For example, in Minnesota, the statute of limitations for a breach of contract claim is six years. But if your insurance policy says you have to bring a claim against your carrier within two years, that will shorten that period of time. Be aware of that. If you're having problems with your carrier, calendar that. And that's going to be two years from the date of your loss, not the date that you put your carrier on notice. So those are the three things that I can think of off the top of my head, Paul, is one, Notify your insurer, make sure that you satisfy the requirements of your policy, make sure that you document your losses in a way that makes sense and is logical and that you can present to your carrier, and then make sure you calendar any you know, specific deadlines in your policy so that you don't fall down on those on a later date. Thank you, Chris. One, one last question, and, and uh, this is probably the toughest one. I need you to consult your crystal ball. Do you anticipate any federal legislation either designed to clarify some of these issues or, you know, go around some of the uh, business interruption coverage challenges? Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, there is some federal legislation out there. I don't think that it's going to be in place in, in time to do anything immediately. 
there, there's a really good example out there after 9-11. We had the Terrorism Risk Insurance Act that was enacted, required all insurers to provide businesses with terrorism insurance. Now, you could deny it, but, but they had to. And then it was a joint responsibility of the insurance carriers and the federal government to pay those claims. I could see something similar coming out of the pandemic here. But as I mentioned earlier, the, the problem we have with the pandemic is it's everywhere. The thing with terrorism insurance is that usually they are located in a specific time and place. And so they are ideally set up for the spreading of risk through insurance. But when you have losses across, as again, all states and all countries, that's more difficult. And that's why I think federal legislation is absolutely necessary so that they can spread the cost of this event over time. Uh, there are too many businesses on the brink not to do something. And I'd like to think that this is you know, an ideal situation for the federal government to act. Chris, uh, thank you very much for joining me this morning. Your uh, insight has been invaluable. Appreciate it. Thanks, Paul. This has been a Larkin Hoffman briefing. I'm Paul Smith. Thank you all for listening.